today we've got an incredible talk for you guys. Um, it's called um, Navigating Life in a Culture Obsessed with Sex. And it's by two people called Joe and Joe. Yeah, so we've got a boy and a girl both called Joe. Can you give them a round of applause? Okay, so they're going to come up. They're going to chat with you guys. And um, what they're going to say today is just, it's going to be amazing. I already know it. It's going to be amazing. I haven't heard it, but it's going to be wicked. Um, so we encourage you all to just open up your hearts this morning. Open up your minds. Be ready to hear, not just from these guys, but hear from God. And yeah, stick around at the end. Just, we've got so much time. So yeah, just chill. Enjoy yourself. Sit back, relax. We're all a family. So yeah, take it away, guys. I want to start off by just rolling a little video for you. Some of you might have seen it. I quite like it. I think it's a little bit funny. So, um, Governor B, roll the video. Since we're going to separate colleges and we're not ready to be engaged, um, I wanted to ask if you'd be engaged to engage in purity with me. I'd be honored to be engaged to engage in purity with you. And while we're apart, these purity rings will be a semi-binding reminder of our limited commitment to each other. <laughs> That's confusing, but cute, but also really dumb. When temptation hits, what are those rings going to do? They're a symbol of our... This is a symbol, honey. Those are finger decoration. Wait. Hey, what you need is an ironclad chastity safeguard. What we like to call the purity ring 3000. Symbols and promises are great if you're a cartoon monkey living in a coloring book in the 1600s. But today, in the real world, what you need is something with a little more oomph. The Purity Ring 3000 isn't just a ring. It's a fully automated personal chastity defense system. <laughs> it comes embedded with a GPS tracker that lets someone keep tabs on you at all times. She's on the move. It's 9 a.m. She's probably on her way to class. No time. Go, 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 go. It is also preloaded with abstinence, proprietary, scientifically formulated scent that is automatically emitted if too many pheromones of the opposite sex are detected in the air. It's not me. It's the purity ring. Nothing pure about that. When the ring detects an increase in heart rate due to inappropriate desire, it triggers an ear-piercing alarm and blinding strobe light. And if you're lecherous enough to actually make physical contact, the Purity Ring 3000 immediately kills the nearest fuzzy animal. Is this what you wanted? And if things really get bad, the Purity Ring 3000 kicks into full chastity lockdown mode, projecting a pre-recorded image of your mother staring at you in disappointment. Try compromising your virtue with dear old mom looking back at you. Didn't think so. Why leave your honor and integrity to chance? I found one. Don't trust your virtue to a silly old-fashioned piece of scrap metal. And trust it, the Purity Ring 3000. Promises are nice, boundaries are great. But if you really want to remain virtuous, you need a ring that shoots lasers. The Purity Ring 3000. Not meant as a replacement to actual self-control, boundaries, and good decision-making. I brought about 700 of those with me. We're going to give them out at the end. Um, reason I show you that video is because that essentially is a video of not what we're going to be doing in this seminar. When I grew up going to church, there would be talks on sex and relationships or how do we survive as Christians in this sort of culture. And this would be the kind of thing they would be talking about. It reminded me of being a youth and I wanted to show that that's not what we're going to be talking about 
today. It's not a list of do's and don'ts. I've not come here to say, right, this is what you've got to do. Um, these are the boundaries you need to put in place. These, is, these are the things that you've got to do to survive necessarily as a Christian. You've got youth leaders and you've got people in your churches that I'm sure are far better than me at telling you those things and giving you that bit of advice. We kind of want to do something a little bit different today. Um, you live in a culture, I'm sure you will agree with me, that is obsessed with sex. We live in a culture that literally, and, and as Christians, we want to think, well, how can we navigate? How can we not only survive in that culture, but how can we flourish in a culture that's obsessed with sex? So sort of labor my point a little bit. On the first day, Emma, those that were here, she spoke about Britney Spears. Now, when I was maybe in primary school or sort of like 10, 11, Britney Spears was the girl. Everyone loved Britney. The girls wanted to be Britney. The boys fancied Britney Spears. How do you know who Britney Spears is? She went a little bit mad towards the end, started shaving her hair and doing all sorts of things. But when I was younger, she was it. And she used to have this video called Hit Me Baby One More Time. Anyone seen that video? Hit Me Baby One More Time. Now, that was the, that was the video. I used to fancy Britney like mad in that video. And when I used to watch it, I used to think, I used to think, oh, this is a little bit inappropriate. Like she was in a schoolgirl's outfit and it was just not right. But I was only like 10, 11. If you watch that video now, compared to some of the music videos that are out there, you laugh at how tame it is. Like that was like an inappropriate video. What do you mean, what do you mean, what do you mean? One man flows, yeah, I got some of those. Hey! Take a seat. So, back to my girl Brittany. If you watch those videos now, they are tame compared to the music videos that are out there at the minute. When you look at, you know, uh, any music video that comes out, especially by a hip-hop R&B or a grime artist, there's just naked women everywhere. That's what it's about. And um, you're in a culture that's obsessed. And I was thinking about some song lyrics. I was driving my car on the way here, uh, or, or sort of in the last couple of weeks. And one of the songs that kept coming on on Kiss or whatever is that song. I don't even know who sings it. I just know the chorus. If you feel the way that I feel, I'm feeling sexual, so we should be sexual. Do you know that tune? Or you've got um, Rihanna. I don't know if you can take it. I know you want to see me naked, naked, naked. That's like the first line of the song, like bang. Whoever's listening to that, that's the first image you'll get. Rah, naked women. That's like the first thing. And there's so much sexual content. I even think people like Little Mix. Any Little Mix fans in the building? I thought there would be none. Big up the Little Mix crew. Um, I don't really like Little Mix, but I know that they kind of aimed at a younger generation, kids in primary school, early secondary school. And in one of their songs, their biggest songs like last year, they're talking about, you know, the song My Ex. I hope you're getting better sex. That's one of the lines in that song. Well, you've broken up, so you're with someone else. Well, I hope you're getting better sex. We're everywhere around us. There's this topic and we're obsessed with it. To labour my point. Anyone, uh, any Love Island fans in the room? Of course, Love Island dominated the timeline in the last few weeks. Big up my man, Kem. Um, I thought he should have stole the dough, you know. That's what I would have done. Um, kept the 50 bags. But to be honest, I didn't really watch Love Island um, until like right at the very end. Because all like it was just on the group chat, all on the timeline. I just thought everyone was just talking about Love Island. And so I even said to a couple of my friends, I just, 
I need to see what this show is really about. And so I watched the last couple episodes. I watched the finale. And essentially, we're obsessed with this show, which is about people getting together. The real good episodes are if something happens under the covers that you hear about. And the whole thing is that we're supposed to get couples together to then maybe try and split them up or form new relationships. So it's all on the TV, this whole idea of love and attraction. There's another TV show on uh, Channel 4 called Naked Attraction. I don't know if anyone have heard of that. And that show is mad. I've not even watched that. Someone at work told me about it, and I just thought, no, that's not coming near my television screen. Where basically what they do is they look at different parts of the human body, and it's almost like blind date, but looking at parts of a naked body, and you say, yeah, that's the part I like, so I want to be with that part. It's crazy. It's everywhere. In the BBC News, even this week, someone was telling me that there's another article about the increase and rise in pornography and how many people are watching that. And so everywhere around you, each and every one of you here, the fact that you're here tells me that you know you're living in a culture that is obsessed with sex. And so how do we, like how do you as a Christian even survive in that? What can you do? And the thing that made it real for me is you can chat to one of your friends and you can tell them straight, I believe that a man called Jesus was raised from the dead. Yeah, think about what you're saying there. A man was, and they'll say, oh, cool, man, that's your belief, cool. Like, yeah, that's, that's cool. You can say to them, I'm a Christian and I'm not having sex and I'm married. And they're like, what? You're mad. You can tell them that someone was raised from the dead and they're all right with it. You tell them you're a Christian or that you tell them that you're not going to have sex or you're married or that you don't watch pornography or you're not going to do that. And they're like, rah, that's... That's mad, and I've had that, because it shows how just it's so ingrained into who we are. And so I'm going to invite Jo up in a little bit, and she's going to talk a little bit about her story as well and just share some things. But one of the things I want to talk to you about is, it's quite good what Liv spoke about last night, saying that we've got to be those that almost infiltrate the culture. We can't be those that, the answer of being a Christian, navigating through, isn't to hide away and pretend that none of this is happening. And hide away in our little shell and stay in our youth groups. That's not, that's not how we're going to necessarily survive. Or even if we survive, we certainly won't be impacting and making a difference. And this whole stream is called Unpopular Culture. And we want to be culture shapers. We don't want to be culture hiders. We want to go and infiltrate and shape the culture. And one of the ways that you do that, I think, as a Christian, is you have to put your flag in the ground. Being a Christian, someone once told me, isn't like a buffet. You know when you go to a buffet, you've got your tray, and you slide along, and you're like, yeah, I'll have some of that, please. And then something else comes along, it looks a bit dirty, you're like, no, I'll leave that. But I'll have some of that, please. Yeah, yeah, no, 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 leave it. I'll have some of that, thank you. That's not what Christianity is like. It's not a buffet, so you slide along. It's like a set menu. You take it all. You can't pick and choose. When we say, you know what, God, I'm going to follow you. My whole life I'm going to give to you. We can't just pick and choose. You know what, I'll take this. I like this stuff about the Holy Spirit, but this stuff about sex now, and I'm going to leave that part. But this bit I like. It's, that's not how it works. We don't pick and choose. We have to decide, you know what, in every single area of my life, and this is what I did at 15, in every single area of my life, I want to follow you, I want to submit to you, and I want to give to you. And that's not to say that in every area of our life we're perfect. No way. And we're going to talk a little bit about that. But it's to say, actually, that's what I'm striving for. That's what I'm trying to do. And so a, a little story for me when I did that, I had to put my flag in the ground. Anyone going to university in September? Big up the uni crew. When I went to uni, I went to university in Nottingham. And uh, in the early weeks, I went to the football trials. Obviously, I got into the football team. It's not a surprise to those who know me. Um, 
I got into the university football team. And they straight away was, oh, Joey Mack. I spoke to you about nicknames. They all called me Joey Mack. And they were like, oh, Joey Mack, he's from South London. He's a little bit of a boy. He's cool. We had the first game. And what they used to do is we all used to go away to, like, another city. Everyone. And all of the... When you go to uni, you're usually three-year courses. All of the first years, they call them freshers. You might know that already. And what they used to do is they put all of the freshers on the bottom deck of the coach in, in the football club. And all of the second and third years sit on the top deck of the bus. And on the way back from your first game, they call you up one by one. It's mad serious as well. Like they're intimidating. They're just staring at you like this. And they say, right, you've got to sing us a song. You've got to tell us a joke. And you've got to tell us a sex story. And so I've, I've literally not met any of these boys. I've just got in the team. I want to impress. And so I'm sitting there thinking, right, how am I going to get around this one? What story can I tell? Um, I went up. I sang I'm Forever Blind Bubbles. Any West Ham fans in the room? Yes. I sang I'm Forever Blind Bubbles by West Ham. So now they really thought I was a geezer because I'm a West Ham fan. I'm singing Bubbles. I sang, woke me, I sang a Wake Me Up Before You Go Go as well, encore by Wham. Any Wham fans? You are too young for Wham. It's a straight up banger. I dedicated it to my dad. And then I told a joke and they laughed. And then it comes to the sex story part. And so, you know what? I just stood there before. There's probably about 60 of them all looking at me. I'm a Christian. I'm a virgin. I'm not having sex till I'm married. Yeah, it didn't feel like that at the time. Some, loads of them started laughing, yeah? But they was laughing because they thought I was bantering. They were like, oh, yeah, good banter. Come on, tell us your story, bruv. Come on, hurry up. Like, as if, like, yeah, good joke. Some of them just looked at me like... Some of them, they just didn't know what to say. And it kind of got a little bit awkward when I said, no, like, I'm, I'm being serious. Like, that's, that's me. And they were like, all right, you can go back down now. And so I sort of walked back downstairs... Felt a little bit like an idiot. Well, I didn't actually. It was a, what I call a blessing in disguise. Because it forced me to say, you know what? Put my flag in the ground. This is who I am. This is what I'm about. I'm not going to change for anybody. I'm not ashamed of who I am. I'm not ashamed of what God's done in my life. This is me. And later on that evening, about eight or nine of them come up to me and were like, right, you know what? Mad respect for doing that. Yeah, like, that's just mad. I've never heard anyone get up and do that before. I said, cool, that's... And it meant as years went by... They knew that when I was at uni, I wasn't going to be doing stuff with girls. When there was, we was all in the club and people were chatting to girls and I wasn't, they were like, oh, cool, that's just Joe. Yeah, he's not, he's not, that's not him. They just knew that. And what's actually crazy is the testimony because some of those boys have gone through me with a journey. There's about 15 of them going to be at my wedding in two weeks' time. They've seen it come through the journey. They've seen who I am and they're going to be there. So, yeah, 15 of them football boys, they will be at my wedding. They will see the way that I'm doing my life getting married before God and that's it and they know that I've not had sex until I get married they know that they know the journey they're not believers some of them have been in and out of church but I had to put my flag in the ground and say no this is what I'm about this is who I am and I will encourage you you have to be those that are prepared to do that in your schools in your friendship groups don't be scared or ashamed of who you are in Christ say no this is what I'm about and if they laugh at you if they cuss you so what doesn't matter I was, I was prepared for a whole coach of them just to laugh at me and say yeah what doesn't bother me. And you have to be prepared to do that. You have to be bold and courageous in God, knowing actually we live to please God. We don't live to please man. He's the one who we're going to stand before, not them, not your friends in your school, when it's all said and done. They won't be the ones standing before you saying, did you live for me? No. We will stand before God. And so actually live to please him, not anyone else. So that's the first thing I want to say. The second thing is 
is this. God cares more about your heart than anything else. When I was, some of you might feel like this, I don't know. But when I was a youth, and I would come to these talks, and my youth leader would talk to me like, you can't have sex before marriage. If they was married, I'd sit there thinking, oh, brother, it's cool for you, but you're married, isn't it? So you're having sex, so it's cool. That's kind, of how I, that's kind of how I'd look at it. Like, you know what, it's easy for you to say that because you're already married off. And you might even be thinking, there going, Joe, it's cool for you to say that because you're getting married in a couple of weeks. But you know what? When you get married, navigating for a sex culture doesn't stop. You don't, you don't suddenly stop seeing the music videos. You don't suddenly, you know, pornography doesn't disappear from your internet. It doesn't kind of just, oh, you get married and then it's all okay. Because if you live your life like, you know what, I'm just going to try and do what I can, survive the Christian life till I get married, then I can have sex and it'll all be okay, you will stumble and fall. Because God is concerned about your heart. He wants to transform your heart. So it's not, you know what, I don't want to do, it's not like, ah, I'm going to try and not do these things. I'm going to try my hardest to not watch porn. I'm going to try my hardest to not have sex with my girlfriend. No, it's actually, I don't want to do that. I don't want to have sex with my girlfriend because my heart has been transformed. It says in Mark 7, it's out of the heart that evil thoughts come, sexual immorality, theft, murder, and so on. It's out of the heart that these things come. And so God is concerned about your heart. Many of you will know the Proverbs, Proverbs 4.23. Above all else, guard your heart, for out of it flows everything. Hands up if you heard that scripture before. We talk a lot about that when it comes to relationships. Guard your heart. The reason you have to guard your heart is because everything flows out of it. And that's why God is so concerned about just about having your heart, about you being so passionate for him that when these things come, it'll all be cool. Me and Sylvia... Sylvia's my fiance. Some of you know her that, that go to anyone from King's Church here? Yes. My people. So I get married in two weeks. Listen, I'm 24. Me and Sylvia, we've been together for over two years. And I'm proud to say, you know what? We've not had sex. We've never lived with one another. I've never stayed over her house. And it's not because we sat down the day we started going out saying we must have all these rules. It's because we were both just passionate for Jesus and saying, no, we want to follow him. We want to obey his commands. We want to live for Jesus. And so this is what we're going to do. And uh, the reason I tell you that is because it is possible. And I know many, many others that have done it. So like, oh man, how can you even do that? I grew up in a culture similar to you in South London where everything was just about all my boys. It was always about sex and pornography. And I'm not telling you that I haven't struggled. I'm not telling you there hasn't been temptation and there hasn't been times when I've struggled with pornography. There has been. There's been times when I've struggled with sexual stuff. There's been times when I've felt mad temptation. But each time I come before God and I go, God, I want to give you my heart. I want to live for you. And so I'm excited actually because Joe's going to come up in a minute. A really good friend of mine, she's on the Rim Factory team. Um, and she's going to come up and share just a little bit again about her story and some of the things that she's kind of learned. And then probably where we're going to go from there is, is, is in a while, we're going to just have a time to respond and do that. So I want you to give um, a huge welcome to Joe Kai, who's going to come and speak to you now. Hello. Um, it's good to be here. Um, I know that most of you don't know me, so I'm going to introduce myself a bit more than what Joe just did with three things. I'm going to tell you three things about myself. So the first thing I'm going to tell you is that I live in North London, in Camden. I go to Revelation Church, some of them there. And that's the first thing I'm going to tell you about myself. Second thing is I work for ASOS. Does anyone know what ASOS is? Yeah? Thank, yeah, thank you. It's like I started the business. Um, right, who shops on ASOS? Hands up. Right, who shops... Right, come on then. Who shops once a month on ASOS? Twice a month. 
three times. <laughs> you're, you're staying for the... Right, we'll pay for you at the end. No, I'm joking. So I work for ASOS, and um, the, so that's the f- second thing I'm going to tell you about myself. So I live in Camden. I work for ASOS. And um, the third thing I'm going to tell you about myself is that I am actively tempted by sexual sin. Now, I don't usually introduce myself like that. But... <laughs> I'm here to tell you that I'm actively tempted by sexual sin. And if we was to go around now and if we was going to look at each other and um, like chat it out, we would realize that we are all in some way tempted by sexual sin. It's just the truth. It's just reality. Like We're all tempted by sexual sin. And when I talk about sexual sin, I'm talking about degrees of things. So, so there's one degree of things that might be like sexual or lustful thoughts. So you might think, oh, I really want to sleep with that guy or I really want to like touch up that girl or whatever. There's that sort of lustful thought. There's masturbation. There's pornography. There's messing about with your boyfriend or girlfriend. Um, or maybe you're just sleeping around, like, you know, just having sex with people. So, um, yeah, there's a lot of ways that we can be tempted into sexual sin. And as we've heard from Joe, our culture is so obsessed. It's just everywhere. It's on our TV. Our mates are having sex. Maybe talking about sex loads. It's absolutely everywhere. Um, and we're living in it. And um, so it's not surprising that we all get just tempted by sexual sin it's not it's not surprising at all because because of the world we live in right so we've got that we're living in a culture obsessed with sex and then we've got Jesus and the bible and they're telling us you know that life's not for you you're not to um be involved with sexual sin and you're probably just sitting there like but I'm in a culture that's completely obsessed like how like it's all very well to say oh I don't want to do that but how do I actually do it um, and it's a really good question, and we're gonna, I'm going to um, talk to you a bit about that. Um, because the truth is, is that we are all tempted by it, and there is um, no way that we can resist this stuff on our own. Um, lust is so powerful, isn't it? Like, it's so powerful. And um, on our own, like, we're just weak. Like, we are. We're just weak, and we're tempted, um, and we can't do it on our own. So that's the bleak news. But the good news, so I'm going to bring you a good word um, and then I'm going to share a little bit about how um, this word's actually impacted my life. Um, so the good word is that the Holy Spirit, we've got the Holy Spirit um, on our side. And the Holy Spirit is described as helper, which I found really helpful. Because um, sometimes, you know, you think of the Holy Spirit. And I don't know if you've ever thought about the Holy Spirit as a helper before. Um, but in John, it says, but the helper, the Holy Spirit whom the Father will send in my name. He will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. That's John 14, 26. So the Holy Spirit is here to help us um, navigate our way through this culture obsessed with sex. um, And he's here to help us navigate. um, Yeah, just get away from this um, temptation of sexual sin. Sorry, my mouth is so dry. Thanks. Thanks, guys. Um, I was all right. So the Holy Spirit's our helper. Amazing. So how do we actually access this help? So I'm telling you, there's help in, from the Holy Spirit, there's help to, to get away from our sexual sin. How do we actually access it? Like, how do we access it? And um, there is loads of different ways we can access the Holy Spirit. The, the first one is prayer. Like, prayer is so powerful. Um, has anyone heard anyone say that this week? That prayer is powerful? That we can get access to the Holy Spirit through prayer? Uh, we can get access to the Holy Spirit through reading the Bible. Um, the Bible is referred to as a living word, which means it's like really relevant for us. So when we read it, the Holy Spirit really meets with us. Um, and the Holy Spirit, what it will do, so when, when you ask the Holy Spirit for help, the Holy Spirit will empower us to make good decisions. So when you meet with the Holy Spirit, 
you, you can be empowered to make some different decisions to maybe you was when you was without it. So for me, I became a Christian at Nido. How many times have you heard that this week? <laughs> so good. So I became a Christian at Nido when I was about 17. Um, and God really met me in a, in a messy place. My heart was such a mess. My life and my behavior was, it wasn't good. Um, it wasn't clean. It wasn't, yeah, it just wasn't good. And um, God really met with me. And, and I really loved Jesus. Like I met him and I was like, I really, really love him. And I decided that I would, the following year, I decided that I would um, go move up to Camden. I was 18 at that point and join a church. And, um, and it, was, it was great, but I... My behavior didn't change. I love Jesus. I really love Jesus, but my behavior was still the same. I was still like messing up in the same ways, and I'd be like, "Oh, I thought I was a Christian now. Like I thought I was a Christian. I thought it wouldn't be hard anymore." And um, it was really difficult. And um, yeah, so basically, I <laughs> far too long later, I started asking the Holy Spirit for help. Now, here's the thing about asking the Holy Spirit for help: you can't just do it once. You've got to keep asking the Holy Spirit to help you because you will keep getting tempted and the Holy Spirit will, will keep helping you. So I asked the Holy Spirit for help and as the Holy Spirit met with me, it was my heart that it started to change and, and really it was that I didn't want to do that stuff anymore and I think the Holy Spirit was really speaking to me about my worth. Um, he was really speaking to me about how I didn't need to involve myself with particular people anymore, that I didn't need to, to act in a certain way anymore because the Holy Spirit was telling me that I was worth more, that Jesus had saved me, that Jesus had um, got rid of my sin for me. And um, it was from then that I started to make good decisions. Um, and yeah, for me, so personally for me, that was removing any um, person that I had been involved with, like in a lustful way, like thought about or been involved with, I had to just get rid of it. I had to get rid of it. Um, I don't know if you've ever heard about um, people saying sometimes just like run from your sin, and this was my one. Uh, so I cut them out of social media, cut contact. I just, I just got rid of it. I just got rid of it completely. And you know what? I never missed it. Like that's what you think you're going to miss it. You don't. When you've got the Holy Spirit, when you've been saved by Jesus, you don't miss this stuff because. Jesus is so my gosh, my mouth. Jesus is so much more. Um, what a sec. It's so much more than um, than this stuff. And um, yeah, I just um, I felt to share that with you guys because I know that sometimes you might see people chatting about their experiences with sex, and you might think, oh, do you know what? They've never been involved with stuff that I have, or they've never been. Um, struggling with the things that I have but the thing is the truth is, is that we all we all struggle with this stuff and the truth is is that Jesus is big enough to take all of the stuff and replace it with really good stuff um and I just felt like um when I was preparing for this um I really felt that um that there were people in this room that need to hear um hear that and 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 really hear that Jesus is bigger than your past um, I'm just going to say it again, like Jesus is bigger than your past. There's nothing that he can't handle. There is absolutely nothing that he can't take. And, and he wants to be in your future. Um, yeah, so that's, that's it. That's really what I want to share. I want to share that your heart can be transformed. And um, it's, all, it's almost like don't, don't think about how you're going to change your behavior. Just, just focus on Jesus and, and just let him transform your heart. Just let him come and transform your heart. And then everything will just change. Like, it just will. And it will be a journey, but it will be beautiful. And, um, and yeah, he's able. He's really able.
Thanks, Joe. It's interesting, when, um, when we were preparing this seminar, we said if we put the word sex in it, loads of people will come. And um, it's so true because, and what it says to me is that it's because it is an issue, I don't care who you are, <clears throat> that every single one of us struggles with. It's an issue that every, every Christian, I've you might get one in a thousand who's like, you know what, it's just never bothered me. And you're like, wow, you're an anointed dude. But I, I think for most of us, Boys and girls, it's something that we struggle with, and it's something that we will continue to do so. And, and so we wanted to do this seminar because to serve you in that way. And when I said it's not do's and don'ts, I want to encourage you that um, coming to a session here now is, is in no way going to solve your issues. You're not suddenly going to be right, I'm fine now. And, and I want to um, just almost exalt your youth leaders to you and the people in your local church to you. Because as you go back home... They're going to be the ones that you can talk this through with, that you can come with them questions, that you can battle through different things with, that you can meet up with regularly to say, you know what, I want prayer, or can we just meet up in a group with some others? They're the ones that are going to do that. And so I do want to encourage you. In a minute, what we're going to do is just have a time of worship and begin just to respond. Uh, and, and I think that God's going to really move amongst some of us. I really do. Um, and before we do that, I just want to make that comment about your youth leaders I want to say that there are people there that you can, there's people in your church or in your youth group or wherever, however it is you've got to New Day that you can trust, that are for you, that want to see you strive and thrive in, in not just this area of your life, but every single area of your walk with God. Like they really do. That's why they've come and given up a week to camp with you and to bring you to New Day. That's why they're here. And so I think trust them and use them because they, they want to help you, especially as, as you go back. And the same with one another. You've got mates. I say this all the time. We're not on the, use lot, I call it the front lines. That use lot are the ones that are going back into the front lines, into your schools, into your area. You're the ones that can help one another. You're the ones that when you're together as mates can pull each other up saying, no, I'm, listen, didn't like the way you're thinking about that girl or the things that you're doing there. You need to, you, you can call one another out on those things. I've had friends that have called me out on things. I've had friends that have told me, no, you need to fix up on that and that. And so I want to encourage you again to be doing that to one another. And the last thing I want to remind you of is that, is that Jesus is concerned about your heart. Where is your heart at on these things? Yesterday, Ben Lindsay said, was talking about in here, he was talking about the way that women see themselves and the way that men see women. And it's so powerful. I want... Once I had a friend, he's, he's actually getting married on Saturday. His name's Dominic. Um, and um, a good friend of mine, he used to serve in a rim factory. And he once said that one of the biggest things for him becoming a Christian was God changed the way that he saw women. God changed the way that he saw that women weren't just things that were there for his existence or for his pleasure. That's not what women are. And some boys see it almost like that. That he saw them actually there, daughters of God, there for a complete purpose of their own. And he said it was like, just bang, he just, it just changed the way that he saw women altogether. And I think one of the things that we, again, wanted to talk about is the way that you see one another. The way that you, so boys, I'll talk to you now. The way that you see girls, the way that you see, they are daughters of God. It's the way that you see them. And one of the things I've always spoken about to my youth is, ah, obviously the scripture where it says that you need to treat one another as sisters or brothers and people are like, my youth have said to me, like, no, I know, you know, you don't look at Sylvie the way you look at your sister. I said, no, that'd be weird. But what it means for me, that scripture, is about, I will treat Sylvia the way that I would want 
but I've got an older sister. I treat Sylvia the way I would want a man to treat my sister. It's as simple as that. Honor and respect. That's it. So I, that's the way that I, and the same for girls, the way that you're treating boys. It's exactly the same way around. And I think when we're watching pornography, when we're watching those sort of, you know, you know what, it's soft porn. Those music videos, there's no other word for it. They're soft porn. They're in the barbers everywhere. I, go to, I went to my barbers last week and there's a soft porn all on the screens as people are watching it and you think, wow, this is everywhere around us. And you have to make a decision. Actually, I don't like the way that represents women. I don't like the way that presents them, and so I'm, I'm, I'm going to just leave it. And I want to encourage us to be men that are prepared to do that. When you're in a group and there's conversations being said, someone's saying something about a certain girl, you say, no, I'm not going to hear it. I don't like the way we're talking about that person. I'm not having it. You have to be prepared to do that, to put your flag in the ground, to be a changer, to not scare away and just laugh along. Oh, yeah, yeah. Say, no, I'm not having it. Because you're not, we're, not, we're not scared of man. That's not who we're trying to please. We're trying to please and serve God. So I'm going to ask, I'm going to ask my friend David, who's going to come up. Um, and he's just going to lead us in a, in a time of worship. And then what we're going to do is we're just going to sing songs to Jesus. And, and the reason I do that is because, again, I'll say to you that God is concerned about your heart and your love for him. And so we're going to sing songs to Jesus. We're going to worship him. And then after that, we're going to have a time where we can just respond. We're going to pray for people. We're going to bring words. And so I'm going to ask you just very quietly just to stand. I'm going to pray for us. I'm going to pray for us. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you're a gracious God. We thank you for what Joe shared, that it doesn't matter what we've done. It doesn't matter if we've already mucked up in this area. It doesn't matter where we are right now, that we can approach your throne of grace with confidence. We can come before you knowing that because of Jesus, our slate has been wiped clean. Because of Jesus, you look on us with love and mercy and grace. We thank you that we can come before you as an earthly father and worship you. We want to be those whose hearts are transformed. And so I pray for us now, as we worship, would you begin to move amongst us by your Holy Spirit? Would you begin to transform hearts? Would you begin to release people of sin? Would you begin to break chains of addiction? Would you begin to set people free from addictions to pornography and to masturbation? We pray, would you release people of guilt and shame that know they've committed deep sexual sin and they want forgiveness for it? Would you come, Lord Jesus? We worship you, Lord.